to How Did This Get Praised, the movie podcast that has lairs. I'm Daniela Mazio, and I'm here with my co-host. In the morning, he's making waffles. Uh, it's Stefan Carlson. Yeah. Woo! How are you, Stefan? I'm good. I love waffles. Yeah. How do you I feel lo- about waffles? I love waffles, too. If you offered to make me waffles, I would be very happy. And you know what? Do you do you remember the time that you um, that you made waffles while we were living together, and you put raw bacon into the waffle iron, and then we had raw bacon waffles. Well, it wasn't raw; it was like semi-cooked bacon waffles. I simply do not know what Sorry, you are talking about. Sorry, I wanted to about. roast you real hard this episode. Shanna, can you cut that? <laughs> Shanna, get it out of here! <laughs> no one shall know. It shall never reach the light of day. Uh, no, you can leave that in there, Shanna. Um, no, well... take it out. <laughs> take it out. Uh, take it out. Speaking of, uh, but before we get started, a little bit about the show. Uh, mm. If you're a film lover of any Shrek, you're probably familiar with the quote-unquote canon, aka those movies all the most annoying people you know tell you you have to Shrek. These movies are considered to be the greats for one reason or another, but we started asking, why do these Shreks get praised? Throughout each Shrek episode, we are going to take one beloved movie, whether a financial shrek cess, critical shrek cess, cult favorite, or film of some sort of legacy, and we're going to talk about two things. One, why we think this movie got praised, and two, is it actually any good? Because after all, who are we going to let decide what's good? Two cool as hell best friends who met each other in a high school film class, or Lord Fuckwad. Oh, Can't if you've say ever, that. yeah, we He's can gonna say get it. you. Uh, if you've ever loved a movie despite feeling like it wasn't made for you, or hated a movie that you were told is made for everyone, this is the Shrek cast for you. Uh, I feel that- like I'm being gaslit by now <laughs> from all the Shrek puns. What Shrek been going on? Yeah, see, exactly. I'm doing our normal... I'm doing the... the it's the normal same intro. script in every episode. Yeah. I don't, I see the script, and it's there's a lot of bold Shreks in, in the intro where words... I am not sure what... I, I just copy okay, and pasted yeah. this from the... All right. Yeah, well. yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. Last bit of housekeeping. Uh, in place of the ads you might be accustomed to with podcasts, Stefan and I are selecting an organization each episode that we'd like to encourage you to donate to. Now, we're not affiliated with any of these organizations, but we support their mission, especially as they work to combat real-world issues that are present in many of the films we talk about and arguably do a better job than the movies movies maybe not the most important thing right now so please support people doing action on the ground uh the movie we're going to talk about may not seem readily applicable to life but it is a reminder of the importance in being free to be your honest self without fear of isolation punishment and even violence For that reason, and yes, the connection might be a bit of a stretch, but we'd like to encourage you to donate to and support 
Brave Space Alliance. Brave Space Alliance is the first Black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ center located on the south side of Chicago and is designed to create and provide affirming and culturally competent services for the entire LGBTQ community of Chicago. So continue listening to learn more about Brave Space Alliance and how you can help support Additionally, we'll donate $2 per listen, up to a total of $50 to Brave Space Alliance and their efforts to provide comprehensive resources directly to LGBTQ plus communities. Yeah. Woo! And we're LGBTQ plus. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually LGBTQ negative. I'm sorry. <laughs> That was good. That was actually good. I hate that, but it was good. <laughs> Stefan, mm. um, let's uh, let's get this show going. What what movie are we talking about today? We're talking about two thousand and one Shrek. Shrek, yeah. Oh, and they- guess what? The day we're recording this today, uh, April twenty second, twenty twenty one. Is Shrek's 20th, 20 years ago, Shrek premiered at Khan. <laughs> Shrek's 20th anniversary. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. They Shrek, it's your birthday. Dun, 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 dun. Happy Shrek day to you. Gotta have a good time. <laughs> so, Stefan, um, yeah. tell our lovely listeners what the obscure uh, cult film Shrek is about. Well, Shrek is about an ogre named Shrek who peacefully lives in his swamp. Um, But then a bunch of fairy tale creatures get displaced into his swamp because of the evil Lord Farquaad. So then Shrek needs to go see Farquaad with Donkey, his uh, reluctant side, well, Donkey's not reluctant. Shrek <laughs> reluctantly takes on Donkey, who kind of annoys Shrek. They go see Lord Farquhar. Farquhar's like, okay, I'll give you your swamp back if you go save this princess. And then they save the princess and take her back. And hijinks and hilarity ensue. I feel like people know this. They know the general goings-on of Shrek. I actually... Uh, man, I should pitch a story of like an interview with someone who's never seen Shrek. Um, they'd just be like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody from, do you think anybody's from our generation hasn't seen Shrek? I mean, there's got to be someone who hasn't seen Shrek. I don't know if like, I don't know if it's statistically possible that everyone from our generation has seen Shrek. That's true. If you haven't seen Shrek, at us, at praise underscore pod. We'd love to talk to you. We'll do a spot. Yeah, we'll do a bonus app. Um, Well, before we talk about Shrek Mm -hmm. today, on its its Shrek day, uh, the day it crowned, uh, let's check in. So, Stefan, what's what's been going on? (laughs) I'm good. I just got vaccinated fully. Oh. So that's cool. I had the worst chills I've ever had in my life for about 12 hours. Oof. And then I was fine. Oh. 
but yeah it was it was good that's good i think it was a generally overall positive experience is um is your whole family vax now yes yay yeah yay <laughs> what if like one of your family members was like an anti-vaxxer and then i just put uh, you on blast right don't, now <laughs> don't talk about my extended family who lives in arizona <laughs> like that daniela <laughs> don't talk about them like that i bet they haven't seen shrek um <laughs> no they probably think it's like satanic work of the devil <laughs> Oh, Stan! Well, that Stanley hasn't seen Shrek then because yeah. he, he. Oh, Stanley would fit in so well with them, because they hate gay people too. <laughs> Stanley doesn't hate gay people. He is gay. That is true. He he's did just, come to terms with that. He's just not like fully ago. out. Yeah. Stanley's my uh, or my and uh, Stefan's. I mean, Stefan doesn't live with him anymore, but he's basically Stefan's cat. Yeah, I um, see him on weekends. Yeah, we're we're talking about a cat just uh, for context. Um, that's he's great. He's a little Victorian boy. He's a little Victorian boy. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I also am am fully vaxxed. Yay. Um. I did not have chills, thank God, and they did not multiply, um, nor did I lose control. Uh, Your experience was a little bit better than mine, but you still got kind of sick, right? Yeah, I felt like shit. <laughs> I just didn't actually end up having a fever or chills. It was more of like my my temperature kept like escalating, but it, mm. it's like it was like edging itself. Like it wouldn't, oh it, wouldn't cli- it wouldn't climax. It just kept getting right up to it. Wow. Um, and I I just felt like uh <laughs> like a whole layer of soul was sucked out of my body, <laughs> and it wasn't like I was hollowed out. It was like the layers you see what i did there between mm. like my core and my dermis were removed so i just oh. felt like i just felt like a gelatinous blob cool um it sucked but it then it like magically went away after two days and uh yeah i would highly recommend it um, yeah no please 10 out of 10 please, get please vaccinated. go get vaccinated <laughs> Um, we're, we're not, we don't even hesitate on that. Please get vaccinated. Yeah, totally um, worth it. I would do it 10 more times if I could. Yeah. I can't wait to get my fifth dose. <laughs> I see that scene in community where Pierce steals the fucking flu shots. <laughs> says, I am a God. And checks it into his arm. Um, and Joe uh, also Joe got his last dose this week, so he's Yay. he's in recovery. Uh, oh. How yeah. did his go? Uh, about the same as mine. I think cool. he's had a little bit more. Uh, I think he's had some chills and some like overnight fever, but it doesn't sound like as bad as yours because um, just because we're better. No, <laughs> we got so the because fi- we we have yeah. stronger constitutions than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we're not riddled with all that sin that <laughs> you are. Yeah. Um, that, that's Injects. why I said I'm, I'm LGBTQ negative. <laughs> I think vaccines are actually just Satan's cummies concentrated <laughs> into liquid form. Because they start off as like a, a, a it doesn't even have an, a type of mass to it. It's just spiritual aura that gets concentrated into a plasma. 
the fourth I, type of mass. This is great because, you know, we just recently worked out a contract with our editor, Shanna. And so now we're paying per minute of this podcast oh, yeah, that yeah, needs yeah. to be edited, which means uh, everything we talk about has just been so valuable. It's great. <laughs> it is worth actual dollars. Um <laughs> It's insane. Someone's getting paid for us to talk about Satan Coney's. <laughs> I love that. Special. Uh, um, speaking of special commies, uh, let's talk about Shrek. Yeah. Um, so, Stefan, mm-hmm. Shrek came out when we were wee babes. Yeah. Um, when did you first see it when it came out did uh, you like want to see it as a kid were you like really amped or what are your memories of of shrek upon its um, entry into the atmosphere <laughs> the cultural dictionary yeah. the lexicon um i really i remember seeing shrek as a kid in the theater and the second one and the third one um and we really liked it as kids i had the soundtrack which was banging I would play it in the car. I would ask mom to play it in the car sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's all I jam out to what whoever's cover of Hallelujah that is. Okay, there's actually a very fun fact about that that we will oh, get to in a bit. Um, cool. And that is related to being LGBTQ negative. fun. <laughs> um... Yeah, I, I really I remember um, liking it a lot, especially the second one. I think I really remember fondly. Yes. Um, yeah, it's weird. I do not. I know I did see it in theaters, but I don't have a memory of it. I was uh, I was probably about five when it came out. So like, I don't I don't remember seeing it, but I do remember loving it and uh i had the dvd it was like one of my first dvds i want to say like first five dvds uh Mm -hmm. once we started transitioning out of vhs and that dvd was one of the most watched things in my home i loved shrek i would watch it over and over again um i suddenly was like very into on the road again (laughs) i was like i know references um there were like i also was so fascinated with dvds as a kid and i would always play like the games that were on the dvds because that was really big in the early days i didn't have a pc so i know that shrek was like a uh had a cd rom Mm -hmm. version or whatever where you could play pc games didn't get to do that and it always really bummed me out but there is this one game uh, with Gingy, the gingerbread man character, where you can dress him up. But because this is like 2002 and DVD technology is very limited, it wasn't like complex or anything. You would basically just select a theme for the outfit and then they would put the outfit on him and he would sing in the most haunting voice i've ever heard a nursery rhyme related to that outfit um i'm gonna have to pull up a video of it because it would be like mary had a little 
just like hang <laughs> it was terrifying um yeah that's awful yeah but uh there's also a special feature uh which was like shrek karaoke this is before far far away idol which is also iconic um where like all of the characters did a medley of mm -hmm. songs uh, that also confirmed that Lord Farquaad was not actually dead, which weird canon there. Uh, anyway, I watched that probably as many times as I watched Shrek. I loved it. Cool. And uh, I too, uh, my dad burned me a CD of the soundtrack. I had a birthday party that was movie themed and my dad made as party favors mixtapes of movie soundtracks and it included uh, all star and hallelujah uh just a complete life changer and i too i saw shrek 2 at the drive-in i believe uh, really loved it did not own it but i really loved that one and uh i saw the trailer for shrek 3 uh decided i was done <laughs> I think watched it on like one fateful night on cable with my mom and we were like, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> and uh Yeah, is it regarded as pretty bad generally? It is, but I do I remember have... not liking it. But... It's all it's really awful. I think it's regarded as the worst one because I think I've I've heard decent things about the fourth one, which I have not seen. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Trek Four. The third one is like gross. The references are like really bad at that point. Like they're just like kind of recycled and uh it's just horrifying all the baby stuff is really horrifying although i do have that shrek the third uh glass oh, that we yeah. picked up from the thrift shop that has mm -hmm. uh donkeys dragon babies on it puffing out smoke that says we love you daddy <laughs> <laughs> that's my prized possession so that was in our bathroom for a long time it was and now i drink uh alcohol out of it sometimes so shrek yeah that was shrek that yeah was, shrek yeah that was my uh it seems like it was a very special uh memory in our lives yeah um how do you feel about the movie now i i really enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to actually hmm yeah do you want to elaborate on that, or do you want to hold no. on to it? <laughs> okay, David Lynch. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that, Mr. Lynch? No. no. <laughs> um. That no, that's fair. Um. I, I too. think God is a homosexual. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that? No. <laughs> I think that's that might be made up as part of a meme. That one is made up. I think the yeah. original is where he says Eraserhead is his most spiritual film. Yeah. And, and then they're like, please elaborate on that. And he says no. Like, the interaction is real, but uh, the meme is... I had that as one of my main dating profile pictures <laughs> for a while. Uh, um, yeah, I also enjoyed it far more. And I, I've, I like, revisit it. Uh, mm -hmm. pretty consistently um 
I, think I don't the... think I've seen it since I was a kid. Oh, really? Oh, fascinating. We watched a scene of it in high school as an example of satire. Did in like we? freshman English, I did. Oh, oh, I thought you meant in like film class, and I was no, like, what? No. <laughs> Seems a little lowbrow for redacted teacher name. <laughs> yeah. sure yeah i remember my elementary school would like have like very frequent like family movie nights where they would play it and i remember being very i would like gasp because i'm like they say ass in this movie (laughs) yeah there's a lot of swearing in shrek surprising amount well they say ass but they always mean donkey that's how they get away with it yeah um we'll get a little bit more into the adult humor too um yeah shrek shrek uh it does hold up. I think the jokes hold up better than the messaging. I think the messaging feels a little less strong over time when you actually look at, like, Fiona especially and some of the other jokes which kind of don't match the, like, embrace who you are and don't judge people messaging. But uh, we can get more into that later. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, then let's just jump right into it because we're paying by the minute. <laughs> let's get into the cold hard facts. You ready for these, Stefan? We have some yeah. good ones. Uh-huh. So, um, right before uh, we were recording this episode, there was actually an oral history of shrek that was released on inverse.com by writer ralph jones and uh some of this information is taken from there as well as from uh our favorite source wikipedia so uh, i just want to shout that out please read that oral history if you can it is very fun um so dreamworks uh around the time it was first founded Producer John H. Williams came across the book that Shrek is based on and kind of immediately knew that this needed to be a movie. He is quoted as saying, Every developmental deal starts with a pitch, and my pitch came from my then-kindergartner in collaboration with his preschool brother. Upon our second reading of Shrek, the kindergartner started quoting large segments of the book, pretending he could read them. Even as an adult, I thought Shrek was outrageous, irreverent, iconoclastic, gross, and just a lot of fun. He was a great movie character in search of a movie. So he kind of brought this to DreamWorks and went into active development in 1995. Steven Spielberg himself had thought about making a traditionally animated film adaptation of the book before. uh, And he bought the rights in 1991 before DreamWorks was even founded. The initial idea for this in his head was it was going to be traditional 2D animation and... Bill Murray would play Shrek and Steve Martin would play Donkey. <laughs> and I can't tell you how much I do not want that version of Shrek to exist. I really want it. No, oh, God. I would just like... Be like a Garfield. Anyway, I, I'm not super interested in a Bill Murray, Steve Martin Shrek, but uh, I see some people might. Anyway, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, who, you know, is one of the founders of DreamWorks, He kind of uh, entered the vision of DreamWorks saying, I want to make serious animation for adults. Debatable on whether Mm. that thesis has been uh, met. But uh, actually, I know of Katzenberg um, as the 
head of Disney Studios during the Disney Renaissance. Yeah, he made he made the transition, um, which is uh, interesting because uh, the movie Shrek, kind of from Katzenberger's experiences, uh, definitely takes some digs at Disney. Oh and yeah, I believe uh, Lord Farquaad is uh michael eisner is it supposed to be michael (laughs) eisner yeah that's so good (laughs) oh my god that's fantastic so do with that what you will (laughs) uh that makes me love this movie so much more So at the beginning of production, uh, one of the co-directors, Andrew Adamson, kind of got into fights with Jeffrey Katzenberg about kind of how much it was going to appeal to adults. Katzenberg wanted to get both audiences, you know, he didn't want to lose a sector. But uh, he thought that some of Adamson's ideas, like adding sex jokes and Guns and Roses music to the soundtrack, were too outrageous. Uh So kind of led to some contention. Uh, the original other co-director, uh, Kelly Asbury, uh, who signed on with Adamson in 1997, uh, ended up leaving. Uh, they went to work on Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, which, uh, if you haven't seen that movie, is a very lovely movie in my memory, uh, and ended up being replaced with Vicky Jensen, feminist masterpiece Shrek! Um, whoa. Vicky Jensen, co-director. Uh, so initially, is that just their Frozen thing? Yeah, isn't that what happened with Frozen? No, no, no. Frozen, I believe, always had. Did, what I was the movie know. we talked about that had a? I don't remember. <laughs> it was some Disney movie. They're just like, oh, the first female-directed Disney movie, even though oh, they came Fro- on. Frozen was, yeah. I just don't remember if it was like it started out as two men and. I think it was kind of late in the game. Uh, I feel so seen as a woman. Um, (laughs) So Vicky Jensen, this is a quote from her. Uh, She had talked about uh, she initially moved in to become head of story uh, once Kelly Asbury left. Uh, Andrew Adamson was going to stay as like the sole director, but... uh, kind of between that and Chris Farley dying, which I'll talk about in a second, the movie was in disarray and didn't really have uh, like a common theme or idea. So uh, Vicky was working with Andrew Adamson to quote, start pulling little pieces together out of what remained. And part of the way through uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg decided that I should be directing a few months later, we started production. So she kind of stepped in to help repair the project and ended up being co-director. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, also Oscar winner. Oh, that's cool. So uh, Shrek was an unpopular project at the studio. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of anyone who didn't score a better project was put on Shrek. It was literally called being shrek Uh <laughs> And uh, one of the first ideas was to make the movie with motion capture. Okay, love it. They did a motion capture test sequence that was about 45 seconds that uh, J.J. Abrams wrote. 
Love it. And what they were going to do is put people in fat suits <laughs> for motion capture. And all of the four-legged animals would be puppets. Um, in the test footage, it is a person doing the hind legs using brooms as the front legs for donkey. And it just sounds like the that most horrifying good. thing. <laughs> nah, they should have done that, honestly. What if, what if they did that, but with Bill Murray and Steve Martin? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds very Cats-esque. I would have been excited to watch that movie. Andy Serkis plays uh, plays Fiona. I was going to say Andy Samberg. No. Who's Andy Serkis? Andy Serkis is the big motion capture guy. He did Smeagol. And oh, okay. the other stuff. The <laughs> Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that. Um... So thankfully, Jeffrey Katzenberg hated the motion capture. So then they uh, kind of contemplated this idea of doing like miniature, like real backgrounds, but with CGI animation, very similar to like how stop motion is made, but replacing the cool. stop motion characters with uh, CGI. Mm -hmm. So pretty much it seems like based on this oral history, the main reason it didn't happen wasn't because they didn't like the idea, but because... They had just done ants and had pretty much figured out, like, f created their whole interface to do CGI. And we're just kind of like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We can't create a brand new CGI system. Especially for Shrek. Yeah, especially. The throwaway project. Yeah, so pretty much the, the guy who was pitching this had to be convinced that, like, hey, we promise we can do these really beautiful backgrounds that you're imagining with CGI. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they did, and they felt really proud of this and how they were kind of able to elevate some of the CGI that they had seen yeah. with ants. <laughs> God, Ants looks like garbage now. I mean, for... so here's the interesting thing. When I last rewatched Shrek, which was like a couple years ago, I thought the animation looked like garbage mm. uh, and did not age well. When I rewatched it for this podcast, I watched it on a 4K television and it looked so much better than I expected. I it was going to gonna say, I think the animation actually looks decent. It looks a lot better than I which thought. Which I was wasn't expecting. Do. Yeah. I think like the character animation is still a little uh yeah. but that's never gonna age well. It looks better than Toy Story. Toy Story looks really I think it bad. looks better than Frozen. Wow. I know. What? <laughs> I know. I feel like the design is better, but the actual motion, like the actual animation is a little too um like uncanny valley for me yeah i can see yeah, it yeah um but yeah i thought i thought it looked a lot better than i expected i was like maybe it only looked like an age bad because i watched on the shitty tv last time um the lighting's really good too yeah uh so casting wise <laughs> the first person who was offered the role of shrek was nicholas cage god what a uh, world we could have lived in <laughs> And he said the reason he turned it down, he did not want to look like an ogre. And in 2013, he elaborated on this saying, when you're drawn, in a way, it says more about how children are going to see you than anything else. And I so care about that. Get out of my swamp. <laughs> Get out of my swamp right now. <laughs> 
Hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're Fiona. (laughs) And he's a donkey. Fiona! (laughs) Um, not the... (laughs) Not the gingerbread man! (laughs) So, um, the first... The person who was eventually cast as Shrek was Chris Farley. No, Mm -hmm. this... Notable comedic actor from SNL and who had done a few movies. He was attached to Shrek and they began developing the script. Uh, and initial versions of the script. Uh, Shrek's backstory is a little bit fleshed out more in that like his parents are kind of part of this. And like the way he feels about that. Now, come on. What do you want? I don't have time to set it to music. Oh, this is another one of those onion things. No, this is one of those drop it and leave me alone things. Well, why don't you want to talk about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Why are you answering the question with a question? Why are you asking questions I don't want to answer? Why are you blocking? I'm not blocking. Then why do you have problems expressing your wants? I don't. I want you to shut up. See? No problem. He uh, recorded nearly all of the dialogue, and but... Uh, he died before the movie was finished and before the dialogue recording was finished. So they were kind of, they had like modeled the character design off of him, had Mm -hmm. kind of worked on the script based on, you know, him and what he brought to it. So they were in this position where they were like, what do we do now? So Mike Myers signed on. Uh, He insisted on a total uh, script rewrite to leave no traces of Chris Farley's version uh you could kind of say that that's a dick move uh and mike myers is notably kind of a dick on set but he could have also been to you know honor snl alumni chris farley as well uh to make sure that this is like uniquely mike myers so yeah, they want to re- just come in and just cub dub over yeah chris farley's shrek yeah so they brought him in he they started to retool the movie to kind of fit him he joined because he wanted to work with Jeffrey Katzenberg, apparently. <laughs> and uh, he said, quote, the book is a great story about accepting yourself for who you are. Which, uh, yes, we'll get into that. Uh, Mike Myers brought in the Scottish voice. They had also recorded everything in the normal voice as well, uh, which is kind of his Canadian, his natural Canadian accent. But the jokes did not land as well in that. So, uh They took the Scottish recordings and they adjusted the design of Shrek to be closer to Mike Myers and Chris Farley, kind of adjusting the neck and adding bushier eyebrows. Mm. Uh, So they finally like hashed out the plot with this Mike Myers iteration. Uh, Eddie Murphy was always going to be in it from the beginning. uh, And uh, a lot of the dialogue was improvised between Eddie Murphy and Mike Myers. For example, the whole parfait bit. (laughs) <laughs> improvisation um they were like eddie murphy was always on this he was and you know he's just a legend you can't you can't top mm. eddie murphy um as far as like creating the gags for the writing uh it was really treated like kind of your what you would imagine a normal like comedy room like writer's room for a sitcom or something would be they would kind of start with these just general fairy tale ideas like okay we're going to include the gingerbread man. And then they would like tease the idea out into a sequence or gag. So they'd be like, 
the gingerbread man. He's running from the muffin man. We know that. What if he sings the muffin man? No, that's not funny. What if it was an interrogation scene? And so Mm -hmm. that was how a lot of the gags kind of got written. Uh, Andrew Adamson said that ultimately the movie was designed with adults in mind first. He said, we made it for us. Uh, but with the intention to make sure it was still accessible to children rather than a children's movie, which was accessible to adults. Yeah. Which I would argue, as the Shreks go on, it starts to go in the other direction. He's a little differently. Yeah. So Shrek comes out, it popularizes using celebrity, especially comedian voices in movies. Aladdin did get the ball running with that with Robin Williams, mm-hmm. but Shrek took that challenge. And, and now, really, yeah. because of that, we have Zendaya as Michi. So. <laughs> um, yeah. And also... And uh, the Ice Age trilogy. And the Ice Age... Uh, there's more than three Ice Age movies. <laughs> the Ice Age saga. <laughs> saga. <laughs> um, and trolls and all and all of those. Oh uh, yeah, all of them. Well, and Shrek also popularized instead of trying to be a musical, which is you know Disney Renaissance really brought back the Disney musical. Uh, they use popular music instead, and one would argue we wouldn't have trolls if not for sh- saying, hey, if you just buy the rights to a bunch of popular songs and repurpose them for kids, money. Thank God. <sighs> Original songs, who needs them? We will talk more about Shrek's legacy in uh, the second half of this episode. Um. So the band Smash Mouth song All Star <laughs> gained popularity because of its use in the song. You can even see in the video it was actually originally featured in the movie Mystery Men and then Shrek. Um, but Shrek was what put it on the map. Um, There's two Smash Mouth songs. There is. And uh, as the film was going to be completed, Jeffrey Katzenberg made a suggestion that the movie had to go out with a big laugh. So instead of ending the film with just a storybook cover of Shrek and Fiona, they decided to add the song I'm a Believer covered by Smash Mouth to give all of the fairy tale creatures this little sing-along moment. One would argue that also did irreparable damage (laughs) to movies like this. Some fun kind of things about the rollout of this movie. Uh, So a little bit before it came out, IMAX had tried out this concept called Cyber World on its branded large screen theaters. Uh, what it was is was kind of like a uh, montage or like a little short that they played that featured stereoscopic conversions of various animated shorts and sequences, including the bar sequence in Ants. I'm taking this from Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Um, DreamWorks was so impressed by the technology used for the sequence's stereoscopic translation that they decided to plan a huge 3D version release of Shrek. That would be re-released during the Christmas season of 2001 or the following summer after it had its 2D release. Uh, It would have also included new sequences and an alternate ending. But uh, it was dropped because of quote-unquote creative changes by DreamWorks and resulted in a loss 
of $1.18 million. Cool. So, a world that could have been where you could, uh, you could have seen Nicholas's cage, Nicholas Cage's Shrek in stereoscopic IMAX 3D. And I have to imagine, like, that's with the intention of, like, making you feel like you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> I wish. Ah, I'd pay money. Yeah. Um. Also, and I think you'll enjoy this, Radio yeah. Disney was told not to allow any ads for the film to air on the station. Uh, the quote is, due to recent initiatives with the Walt Disney Company, we are being asked not to align ourselves promotionally with this new release Shrek. Stations may accept spot dollars only in individual markets. Uh, they eventually did allow ads for the soundtrack onto the network. That's weird. I, I can't imagine why Disney didn't want to be associated with Shrek. Lord fuckwad. Um, it feels like it's weird to me that other studios' properties would even advertise on that it wouldn't just be a clusterfuck of of Disney properties twenty four seven. Did you ever have like a Radio Disney phase? No. Consider yourself lucky. Uh, <laughs> it's very interesting because it's not exclusively Disney, but it it's. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I get it, but it is very strange. Um, also notably, there was a hella branding tie-ins for Shrek. Uh, Burger King did promotions, and uh, there were candy caddies based on Shrek characters. Baskin Robbins did a Shrek's Hot Sludge Sunday. That was a combination of Oreo ice cream hot fudge. Uh, whipped cream and gummy worms and you could also get a Shrek freeze frame cake that featured an image of Shrek and Donkey framed by sunflowers is it an ice cream cake yeah I believe there was also uh, ketchup uh, like kids oh green ketchup I remember green ketchup yeah yeah green ketchup yeah so Shrek branding really took off also, mm-hmm. arguably, irreparably changing the animated movie landscape. Yeah, it was fine. Um, <laughs> their budget was sixty million dollars. They made four hundred eighty-four million dollars and spawned three sequels, a spinoff, shorts, comics, and all that merchandise. And it also won the first ever Best Animated Picture Oscar. It competed with the movies <laughs> Monsters, <laughs> Inc. and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. We will talk more about that in the second God. half. Yeah. What a loaded, what a loaded palette. Yeah. Of movies on there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to, I'll get into more facts related to the best animated picture in the second half as well. Yeah. Um, so, and the last thing I have, because I do want to do a callback to uh, Hallelujah, um, so although Rufus Wainwright's version of Hallelujah is what's on the soundtrack, it is not the version that is in the movie. And that always mm. confused me because I always associated Rufus Wainwright's version with the movie. But every time I watch it, I'm like, that's not, that's a different version. Yeah. So the version is John Cale. Rufus Wainwright suggested the reason his version of Hallelujah was not in the film 
was due to the quote-unquote glass ceiling he was hitting because of his sexuality. So I guess the claim is he wasn't allowed in the movie because he's gay or queer. Uh (laughs) But the other explanation is uh, the filmmakers actually wanted Kale's version, which doesn't really help uh like disprove that they were being homophobic but uh the licensing issues uh prevented its use in the actual album but uh Wayne Wright was an artist for DreamWorks and Kale wasn't so that's kind of but the they theory got it for the movie anyway so they got it for the movie but they couldn't license to sell it on the soundtrack mm. you get you get it uh, okay yeah so Basically, Hallelujah 2 gay for Shrek? (laughs) I could see either of those being true, honestly. (laughs) All right. Um, Oh, and Shrek's a musical. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I almost forgot to talk about Shrek the musical. Uh, There's not a lot to say. There is a musical version. There's a filmed version of the musical version on Netflix. It is very delightful. Uh, hmm. It was on Broadway. Uh, some very notable Broadway actors were in it. Uh, it received tons of Tony Award nominations uh, in 2009 and only one for Best Costume Design. But it did receive five Olivier Award nominations, including Best New Musical. So fancy, hmm. fancy. Um, yeah, Shrek's just infiltrated everywhere. Shrek was a unlockable character in tony hawk's underground 2 like wow shrek's a meme um pretty big meme actually shrek is love shrek is life this is pretty huge meme um that involves shrek fucking someone (laughs) take that as you will Uh, Um, oh yeah about the musical i think shrek would i haven't seen the musical but i could see how it'd work really well as a musical yeah oh and, and a fun fact the uh composer uh behind shrek the musical uh also did fun home and is a a uh tony award winner for doing the score for fun home so not too gay for shrek <laughs> no wait are they gay fun home's gay Oh, okay. Fun Home's the lesbian musical. Oh, I or I guess it's it. actually just a gay musical because there's a gay dad and it's Alison Bechtel's. Anyway, what Fun Home's very good. Listen to Fun Home. Watch mm. Shrek the musical. Yeah. Uh, all great, <laughs> all great <laughs> things. Let's. Um, we're gonna talk more about the movie. We're gonna break it down a little bit of a different way than normal. But first, here's another word about Brave Space Alliance. Shrek might not be the most eloquent example of owning who you are, but the message rings true and true. No one should be subject to harassment, lack of resources, or violence because of their identity. For this reason, we want to talk about Brave Space Alliance. Brave Space Alliance is the first Black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ center located on the south side of Chicago and is designed to create and provide affirming and culturally competent services for the entire LGBTQ community of Chicago. 
Their strategic priorities are health and wellness, visibility and expansion, and bravery and solidarity. They break down these barriers by offering programs that focus on the needs in our community, such as food insecurity, housing insecurity, and economic justice. They want black and brown, queer and trans people to be seen wherever and however they want to be seen. And they know that queer and trans people can never truly be safe in spaces and communities that are not of our own making. They instead emphasize bravery, living one's fullest, truest, and best life in the face of oppression, and solidarity as ideals for the longevity of our communities and the best hopes for queer and trans liberation. You can donate to support the work of Brave Space Alliance by visiting www.bravespacealliance.org. That's www.bravespacealliance.org. Additionally, we'll donate $2 per listen up to a total of $50 to Brave Space Alliance and their efforts to provide comprehensive resources directly to LGBTQ communities. And now back to when somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the job is doing the shit. Get out of me, swamp baby. Groovy, yeah. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I, I tried my best there. Yeah. That, that was a that was uh Ah, Shrek donkers. Oh damn it! <laughs> um, let, let, why don't you say let's let's talk about the movie? Let's talk about the movie yeah. Shrek. We're paying by the minute. So, Stefan, yeah, talk to me. Why mm-hmm. do you think Shrek resonated just as a movie? Like, what do you think about? the movie itself and Mm. kind of the way it handles the story resonated with us as kids, but also in a way for it to have a legacy. Well, I think Shrek is really different from a lot of the kids movies that had been coming out at that point. um, A lot of it was Disney Renaissance, which were kind of more serious um, traditional stories um, in that Disney style of traditional stories. So we have um, Shrek not taking itself too seriously, being a little bit more fun and lighthearted. And I think even bringing some elements of satire of the entire fairy tale genre and kind of um, poking fun, not so subtly at Disney and the Disney traditional uh, narrative and style. And I think people really, uh, I liked it and caught on to it. Yeah, I I think what stuck out to me as a five-year-old, I guess, but <laughs> I do remember like as a kid processing this and maybe my, my, you know, my parents had a conversation with me about it too, but it was like, you grow up on Disney, especially Disney princess movies and especially mm. as a young girl and... You know, I I loved those movies when I was a kid, but there was definitely this message of like beautiful, hot, gorgeous, whatever princess needs to be rescued, needs to be saved. Yeah. And that's her arc. And then she finds love. Mm. And I mean, we've had that conversation to death now, 
But in 2001, as a, you know, a five-year-old, it was huge to see something that was like, oh, the princess can be capable to fight battles herself. Mm -hmm. And the princess doesn't necessarily need to be hot, even though she kind of is for most of the movie. But, um, and like the princess, it's not about turning in it's not about her staying beautiful it's actually about her like embracing who she is and yeah that it doesn't matter if she's beautiful or not this man fell in lo- this man this ogre fell in <laughs> love with her and i think like especially for my parents like they definitely were like oh that's like something to take note of or yeah. something, you know, that it was, it was really big for me to see that as a young child. And it makes sense that that happened with, uh, you know, you did have in the Disney Renaissance, like Mulan mm-hmm. and Beauty and the Beast. And I, I hesitate to even include like Mulan is really the only one where she's like, where it's like romance is barely the subplot, you know? Okay. I thought you meant, like, not a damsel in distress kind yeah, of Yeah, I mean, Disney starts to subvert that in the 90s. And then you have the 90s wave of girl power. 1992's The Year of Women or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but, uh... So it makes sense that this was coming, but I just... It is, especially with Jetsy, Jetsy, Jeffrey Katzenberg leaving Disney, Mm. kind of a bold fuck you move to be like, this is really fucked up that this is how women are portrayed in all of these fairy tales and directly alluding to the movies that portray them that way. Yeah. And Um, I think Disney deserved it. Yeah. And I think... You know, again, it feels like we've we're well past that conversation now, but like I think it is worthy to be like, oh wow, this uh not only like was just a cool cultural parody, but mm-hmm. also like had something to say about what was wrong with those the way these stories have been told before. Especially um directly addressed to kids too. Yeah. That feels very fresh. Um people maybe criticizing that point of view to children and saying you know you don't have to you can you can take a different frame of mind towards this and you don't have to change yourself yeah Um, you don't have to be no cinderella sitting in a dark old dusty cellar waiting waiting for for somebody somebody (laughs) come and set me free um yeah i i just i think that i think that worked really well i also think like the audacity of just being gross like yeah kids (laughs) i like a good fart joke (laughs) yeah usually i'm not for that if it just is the only crutch the movie has to stand on but i think that if in addition to a well-structured plot and ideas going on that it can add some that i like fart farts are funny i like it yeah i think literally with the sequel onward they just start to be like what if a fart went here but <laughs> the first one did i hate to admit this but like when he's like better out than in and he's like it's a compliment when he burped like after eating fiona's meal and mm. 
my my brain was blown as a kid. I was like, that's true. That would be a compliment. <laughs> it's like just the idea of like, oh, why do we do all of this respectability stuff? Like this is all princesses shit. <laughs> yeah, and then she burps too. I yeah, was totally chill with it. And I was a I was a kid who thought gross things were funny. So. <laughs> god no i was really serious it was the nickelodeon age too so we we're like slime 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 <laughs> Slime. that is a good question do you think like nickelodeon starting to rise into the cultural zeitgeist and nickelodeon being like also an antithesis to disney in the sense that it was like more crude not all these fairy tale stories that it was like slime and and double dare and all of this do you think like that primed us for like shrek to really be a big hit and for us to be like yeah i want green ketchup <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because in in the shows from our childhood i think it blends it all still um a lot of them do like especially spongebob you can blend more crude humor with more um maybe witty and situational things that do prime us but still kind of give us that appreciation for something a bit more highbrow yeah well in spongebob at least you know the first couple of seasons is a great example of something that was like i don't know if you could say that one was made for adults but was certainly like highly accessible to adults my dad mm -hmm. loved watching spongebob with yeah. me as a kid um i love revisiting it now i think it really holds <laughs> up <laughs> just like yeah. shrek i mean all of my friends quote spongebob all the time. SpongeBob has the same ubiquity as Shrek. I I think we may take SpongeBob a little bit more seriously. Where like, when we recontextualize SpongeBob for memes, SpongeBob itself isn't the joke. And I think when we recontextualize Shrek, Shrek is the That's joke. True. But like, two like huge like cornerstones and you know millennial childhood of like one really changing the kind of direction that animated and kids programming would go and also like i don't know also introducing us to like gen x cynicism <laughs> yeah and like um creating personalities based on pop culture references or homages which spongebob also did a lot of and spongebob also did all of those musical styles and that's really interesting that it's like maybe it wasn't just shrek but just kind of this moment of like what gen x like gen x creators were imparting into like a millennial child audience and late gen z i guess yeah because i think you can view shrek through a lens of gen x cynicism because it literally takes all of the classic fairy tale tropes and just turns it on its head in a very cynical way yeah and it does like i mean the the adult jokes are also like cynical jokes it's like the joke of like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. She might live with seven men, but she's not easy. You know, mm -hmm. that it's like, it's not only like, haha, fuck these fairy tales, but it's also like, and like, come on, let's face it, they're all getting drunk and banging. <laughs> 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 that it's like, that too is very cynical. I mean, Shrek is kind of like the peak 
iteration of like what a Gen X man like was supposedly in the 90s, you know, of like hardened, always cracking jokes, like uh, solitude. I don't know. I just feel like he is kind of the manifestation of like. Yeah, Shrek would get down at a Nirvana concert <laughs> for sure. I don't think I don't think Nirvana was like, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting to think about. And green and slime and all of that. Yeah. Um, well, and it's also taking that. I think that's a 90s idea that our heroes don't have to be the traditional heroic roles and that we don't have to aspire to be society's interpretation of what is successful or what is heroic. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Because, like, you have with, like, Seinfeld and... I don't know, I guess some of the other programming of that time, you already kind of subvert what it means to be, like, a modern man. Hmm. And then we start, like, really... In the 2000s, then we also get the deluge of, like, fat guy, hot wife, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'm I'm saying that, uh, you know, as an objective trope, like, I don't... Yeah. You can hey. be a fat man with a hot wife, it's fine. I don't... Um, But, like, the idea of, like... I think that is around the time. I mean, it's the same thing that inspired, I hate to bring him up, but like Louis C.K. of just the idea of like Generation X masculinity very much was like, I can be a schlub and it's okay. And I don't have to be the most stylish guy or like a hippie or like an 80s businessman. And I can just be a guy with my records and my apartment and who drinks a little too much and has anger problems and it's fine. And like that is Shrek, but accessible to children. <laughs> <laughs> but Fiona doesn't have to change herself as well, even though she's very hot for most of the movie. And who knows if Shrek would have been attracted to her if she looked like an ogre from the beginning. I think they discussed that in the sequel, too. Do they? I wa I watched it, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, there might be a couple of lines about it in the sequel. I think that Shrek might even be more attracted to her as an ogre than as a. Oh, human. oh, yeah, maybe. I don't remember for sure though, because I didn't watch the sequel. But I remember the sequel the best out of them from my childhood. The sequel's really good. Um, less smart. But, like, so funny and, like, culture, like, really good of the cultural references that it's just... Also, you have Julie Andrews as uh, Fiona's mom mm -hmm. and um, John Cleese as her dad. Oh, it's so good. Fairy have... Godmother is an icon. Yeah, oh, gay icon. <laughs> too, yeah. Not too gay for Shrek. <laughs> Can we make a podcast t-shirt that says too gay for Shrek? Yeah, that'd actually be good. <laughs> that would be good. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the best animated nomination. Speaking of slime. Yeah. So Shrek went up against Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, which is from Nickelodeon Studios, and Monsters, Inc., which is uh, Pixar. Uh, one would think in the way that Pixar is pretty much always the shoe-in for best animated picture that uh, Monsters, Inc. would have been the shoe-in, but Shrek won. 
Um, how do you feel about those other two movies? Um, I like them a lot. Uh, Jimmy Neutron, I think, is a really smart and original take on like a a coming of age movie. Um, and then Monsters Inc. feels it's Monsters Inc. Like, what would that even be? What would the trope be? Like the odd, like three men and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be like accidental parents or yeah. heroes. It's also uh, maybe a good argument for workers unionizing. Mm -hmm. Anti-capitalist, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what if we bring the means into the production? I don't know. <laughs> you take that whole John Goodman monologue out of like, I'll kill every child before I let this that's company not, die. That's not John Goodman. That's Sully not doesn't Goodman. say that. No, that's, oh, that's Sully's John Goodman. Who's the fucking spider guy? Mr. Waternoose. I don't know. I don't remember who voice acts him. I'll kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die, and I'll silence anyone who gets in my way. That actually is like goes perfectly with Lord Farquaad saying some of you may die. Yeah. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Again, we, we reference these things in modern times. Uh, both those movies very much about uh, <laughs> fighting the man. Um, because Lord Farquaad is also a capitalist overlord who sells mm. merchandise and... <laughs> uh, and gets rid of anything that he deems to be not... And seizes and and uh, just displaces communities of people who are marginalized. Yeah. Socialist masterpiece. <laughs> but can't be too gay for it. Um, yeah. Do you think Shrek's better than either of those two? Like, do you think that was like the right? Yeah, call? I'm going to say yeah, because of the way it plays with the genre. Mm -hmm. is more impactful, I think, to the genre as a whole and therefore deserves more of a recognition for an award than what possibly might be a better movie on paper mm -hmm. or objectively even. Um, so a little bit of history of the best animated Oscar. So th th Shrek is the very first winner. So we're, we're now about to approach... Uh, well, I guess because the Oscars were jacked up last year, so we're going to... Next year will be the 20th. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. We're, we're mm. approaching the 20th anniversary of the best animated picture. And uh, the history of that is uh, the Academy for the longest time just felt that there weren't enough animated features to justify an award. Uh, if they felt something was really exceptional, they would give it a special award. For instance, one of our favorites that we've talked about, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, received a Special Achievement Academy Award for its live-action animated hybrid. Toy Story also won a Special Achievement Academy Award in 1995. Um, but uh, typically, animated features never made it into Best Picture. The only one that was nominated for Best Picture at this point was Beauty and the Beast by Walt Disney. So uh, animation industry really wanted this award uh, and they express hope that if there was some prestige uh, granted upon animation, that it would help boost box office and also more animated features would be made. 
Um, however, some have also said that it kind of gatekeeps and now it makes it so that no animated pictures will ever get nominated for Best Picture, even though that doesn't really happen anyways. Mm. For what it's worth, DreamWorks put so much advertising into Shrek that there was an actual rumor that they were going to get a Best Picture nomination. <laughs> And they did not. <laughs> and so there, it was a huge disappointment that Shrek was not nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, but it did win Best it's, Animated Feature. It's ironic that Shrek won Best Animated Feature and got that prestige as a movie that kind of slaps the face of prestige. It's just like, I don't want your Disney prestige, Michael Eisner. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, well, and it's like, it almost supports both arguments, which is like, it did bring more attention to the animation industry. And now, as I want to talk about in just one second here, has really, um, like, made animation more accessible, I guess, or more open to multiple uh studios investing in it but what that's also led is to like investing in it for profit because shrek proved to make an insane profit and it wasn't disney and so it kind of launched all of these things which did kind of also show that maybe it wasn't prestigious enough to get a best picture but it could be tossed a best animated picture i don't know i'm spitballing here but... mm. Um, so yeah, let's talk about kind of the monetized legacy of Shrek, because I do wonder if Shrek would receive the legacy that it has if it wasn't for its huge advertising and merchandising and the famous voices attached to it. Um, so I want to know, I want to know your thoughts of kind of like what Shrek did to the animated picture industry from this point on. Yeah, driving, um, making it so that animated films are now a function of profit. I mean, oh, the whole film and the film industry as a whole is always going to be driven I by mean, profit. Disney was always driven by profit. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but when you start to see animated movies coming out after Shrek that do rely on fart jokes and sight gags and flimsy clearly let's just throw in a bunch of comedians into this really thin plot and we'll throw in some fart jokes and i don't know maybe ice age is a good example of a shrek-esque you really hate ice age. i hate ice age so much. <laughs> um yeah but it it shrek is a movie with layers um kind of always coming back to that idea that there is a story and a plot that deserves to be told and was told well. But then you start to get movies that are sort of shells of what Shrek was trying to do and that are really just made as quickly as possible to appeal to the widest child and parent audience as possible to make money and not really add anything else to the conversation. I say, Shaw. You know, I'm going to compare Shrek to Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this No, but we today. were talking about this earlier today because Freeform, by the way, a subsidiary of Disney, 
uh, has released a show that seems like it has a very similar premise to Twin Peaks, or at least the base premise, which is popular homecoming queen is missing and the whole small town gets involved and it's spooky. And I was like, it is so bizarre that Twin Peaks, which was always kind of alienated audiences for being quote unquote too weird and has is now like a, considered a cult classic has like spawned so many blatant ripoffs that don't do any of the inter actually interesting things of Twin Peaks and it's just this case of like something that did something really well and completely misinterpreting how it did it well Mm -hmm. And it, it's like Bojack Horseman, a Xerox of a Xerox. Like, you just don't have even a sense of the original anymore. Um, I'm going to keep going to the Trolls movies because the Trolls movies have 50 famous voices in them. And the whole premise is just so that they can license covers of songs, basically, because they're like, the trolls are musical and they can mm -hmm. only sing. And so then it's like wall-to-wall -wall pop songs or recognizable songs that have been re-recorded by these famous voices and quote-unquote comedians. I assume James Corden is on one of them. <laughs> that seems like his type of thing. From Bustopher Jones to Trolls number <laughs> five. And then it sells a bunch of merchandise, is completely fucking annoying. Half of the jokes are like, a troll poo-pooed itself. <laughs> Becomes the case for home streaming of films that it's possible to <sighs> make a profit during covid if you and, stream and movie. instead of being accessible to adults becomes a fucking migraine to them even like frozen has been notorious of like if i have to hear let it go one more fucking time yeah. as a parent you know like that's what you hear i for what it's worth i've never heard anyone say if i have to hear all star one more time <laughs> <laughs> so um shrek did it right but they still tried to turn a profit. <laughs> and uh, I think DreamWorks just had a really smart marketing team that did all this licensing and then they made a, a good sequel. And I think if the second one was not good, we would also maybe be looking at things a little bit differently. But mm. they did it twice. Yeah. Put in Funky Town and ch, ch changes in that one, and it's like and Puss in I, Boots and uh, yeah, um, Puss in Boots. So, uh, thanks Shrek, <laughs> you broke animation, but not quite. Yeah, and... it's it's a rough one for me because I love uh, children's movies is one of my favorite genres, mm -hmm. and I I think children deserve better media than they generally get. And I think Shrek is good children's media, but it spawned so much bad children's media. Like, is it a net gain? Yeah. Pro probably not. Well, and it's like, both the other two movies that came out, like, I agree, Jimmy Neutron and Monsters, Inc. are both really good movies. And 
Like, Monsters University does not capture what is good about Monsters, Inc. And that's like Pixar copying themselves, essentially. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it was Mike and Sully. And it's like, no, maybe <laughs> it was like the the full plot you came up with. And this touching portrayal of, like, parenthood. <laughs> um and and then they got like a bunch more famous voices for that one and it's like Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius I just think like Nickelodeon after a, like a certain point just never cracked the code of like what made their early animation so successful mm-hmm. and you know Jimmy Neutron I think really works best like is mainly for children like I've re- you and I rewatched it recently and it's like I think it holds up for nostalgia but I'm not as engaged with it as an adult. And you know Monsters Inc uh kind of plays both ways but it doesn't have the same like adult jokes as Shrek. But it's just like the universality I think is really lost in like in these layers. And that's a shame. It is a shame. Because our kids deserve better media. Better media like a movie we're going to talk about in a few weeks. Because, listeners, this is actually part one of the conversation. Yeah. Because we're going to be returning in a couple weeks to talk about the following year of the best animated Oscar. And its winner in 2003, Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. So, keep on a lookout for that. Was Ice H also nominated that year? Because that'd be really funny. It might have been. <laughs> I was nominated. I'm going to check over the break. Um, but uh, <laughs> that, so, you know, I think we had a really good conversation about Shrek here. Let's give yeah. it some Shrekies. Yeah. After we talk about Brave Space Alliance one more time. Give it a little more volume with the track, please. No one should be subject to harassment, lack of resources, or violence because of their identity. And I think that we can agree that Shrek sort of kind of tries to communicate that in the best way possible. For this reason, we want to talk about Brave Space Alliance. Brave Space Alliance is the first Black-led, trans-led, LGBTQ plus center located on the south side of Chicago and designed to create and provide affirming and culturally competent services for the entire LGBTQ plus community of Chicago. Their strategic priorities are health and wellness, visibility and expansion, and bravery and solidarity. They break down these barriers by offering programs that focus on the needs in our community. There's food insecurity, housing insecurity, and economic justice. They want black and brown, queer, and trans people to be seen wherever and however they want to be seen. And they know that queer and trans people can never truly be safe in spaces and communities that are not of our own making. They instead emphasize bravery, living one's fullest, truest, and best life in the face of oppression, and solidarity as ideals for the longevity of our communities and the best hopes for queer and trans liberation. You can donate to support the work of Brave Space Alliance by visiting www.bravespacealliance.org. Again, that is bravespacealliance.org. Org. Additionally, we'll donate $2 per listen, up to a total of $50, to Brave Space Alliance and their efforts to provide comprehensive resources directly to LGBTQ plus communities. Now let's get back to some Shrek and Shrek, and we'll make waffles in the morning and hang out with Gingerbread Man. Oh gosh. 
we're back, and great news, Ice Age was nominated for Best yeah. Animated Feature the following <laughs> year. Uh-huh. Um, great. Along with Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron, also mentioned, and Lilo and Stitch, a personal favorite of ours, <gasps> and Treasure Planet. So we're going to wow. get into all of that soon. But for now, let's finish up our conversation about Shrek. So, Stefan, yeah. Shrek, why did people like it? What do you like about it? Um, well, I think Shrek kind of changes up the genre in a way that um, things didn't really do up until this point, getting kind of meta and satirical with it. Um, I'm going to say in the same way that what Deadpool did for superhero movies. Um, in the same spirit as that if you want a more modern way to relate it um i just think this movie's really well um written and constructed and still looks really good today um some of the cinematography in there too there's a point where there's a sad montage and fiona's in the castle uh. getting ready to get married and it fades from a, a knight in shining armor to shrek's face it does a crossfade mm. which i thought i kind of got chills there so I think it has a lot of good moments like that in it that kind of um, add a bit more seriousness to the uh, fart jokes, but which are also <laughs> good. And Donkey's comedic uh, shenanigans, hijinks, and hilarity. That, yeah, uh, we do does. not have enough time to unpack all of the, like, we could just do two hours of us saying, I really like that part, but <laughs> yeah. I, I really like all the parts. Yeah, it's lovely. It is. Um, yeah, I think I think we've almost forgotten with time why Shrek was popular when it came out. And I think like we associate it now with like the trolls in the Ice Age and we're like, oh, yeah, that was just the era of like these franchises popping up. But like like you said, I think when it came out, it was very genuinely a breath of fresh air. And uh, I think also like if you're gonna bring in comedians, like, Mike Myers doesn't just do any project, you know? Like, I mean, now I guess he only does Shrek projects, but, <laughs> and, like, Inglorious Bastards cameos, but, um, but, you know, like, you don't see Mike Myers just, like, getting a Rob Reiner check, for example, you know? Yeah. Like, he he's not in everything, so I think it was, it was special that he was in it. It was special that Eddie Murphy was in it, and, uh, we've we've associated it so much with these other movies i think we just think of it as another like just mega popular franchise because kids like fart jokes and kids like funny animal and whatnot but i think it was really special when it came out and i think all of the jokes hold up like you said the editing the cinematography the themes really resonate it's it's a nice movie it makes me feel good um is it worthy of praise yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. So this time we're giving out Shrekies, which is a Shrek butt statue. God. <laughs> I cannot wait to design it. So, Stefan, out of five Shrekies, uh -huh. how much praise do you think the movie got? And how much praise do you think Shrek deserves? Um, I'm going to say it got, well, I'm going to give it a five out of five praise because it got the first animated oscar and what could be more praiseful than getting an oscar in hollywood 
nothing. <laughs> Can't wait for Nomadland to get one. Yeah. Oh, this will be released after uh, that I can't, happens. Can you believe Nomadland won Best Picture? <laughs> wow. Listen to our Nomadland episode if you haven't already. Wink. Yeah. Um, and then praise I give it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I give it a four. Solid four. Uh, I think I'm going to do a How Did This Get Praised first. I'm going to give it a four for both. Okay. I <laughs> I don't know if I feel that the best animated <laughs> Oscar means uh, it truly did in real life get a five out of five praise, but I think this movie certainly caught fire and launched a whole thing. I think there are definitely naysayers and there still are. And there are people who even then were like, this is too gross. Or who were just like, this is overdone. Um, and I think genuinely the amount of praise it got is what it is worth. Yeah. A rarity. I so, would like this movie better as a musical. Let, so let's, I'm kind of interested to see what the musical would be. That's my, that's, yeah. I just want to throw that in there. Let's yeah. watch the musical. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's record a full watch along. <laughs> no. Jesus Christ. Um, so that's it. We, we gave out our Shrekies. Thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for part two, where we talk about the following year in animation with a, a special focus on Spirited Away, a very different, but a very beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, Follow us at praise underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter for updates when we're good at posting them and, uh, you know, all the little fun stuff. Don't forget to support Brave Space Alliance. Special shout out to our editor, Shanna Brown. She does an amazing job with this and we love having a little team. And until next time, praise responsibly. Uh, Belief. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. believe. Oh! <laughs> yeah. You know how I know that you're gay? I am hard now. Say hello to my new friend! I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Patriot! Fuck it! I am the father. I am Arnold. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker.